We're in the midst of a series of lessons entitled Stories That Changed the World, the parables of Jesus. Jesus, in fact, told 38 different parables in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The word parables, an interesting word, it comes straight to us from the Greek. The Greek word is parabole. Two words, para, meaning alongside of, and the word balo, which is a verb which means to throw. So if you put them together, it literally means to throw alongside of. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words gives this definition. It says it signifies a placing of one thing beside another with a view to comparison, the object of which is to set forth a spiritual lesson. Matthew 13 verse 3 tells us that he, Jesus, told them many things in parables. In his teaching, Jesus often used parables, stories with metaphors and similes, to illustrate deep spiritual truths. And this morning, our Stories That Change the World series brings us here to Luke 18 and the parable of the persistent widow. Let's begin today's study by looking at the Scripture together. Now, before we work our way through today's text, let's pause and ask God to speak to us clearly through His Word. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we sit at Your feet to learn of You. You are the Master Teacher. We are Your students And we are eager not only to learn truth, but to apply truth. So open our eyes so we can see, and our ears that we would hear, and our minds that we would understand, and our hearts that we would receive that truth, that we would plant it there, that it would produce fruit in our lives in the way you would want it to. Especially this morning as we look at this parable of the persistent widow. Teach us, Lord Jesus, we pray. In your precious name. Amen. Okay, so follow along in your Bible as I read. Luke chapter 18, we pick it up with verse 1. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grab me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord, Jesus, said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? 
Now these eight verses, I think, naturally divide themselves into three sections. The setting, verse 1. The story, verses 2 through 5. And the sense, verses 6 through 8. So let's begin with the setting. Why did Jesus tell this parable of the persistent widow? Well, before we look at verse 1, we must first understand the entire context of this verse and the verses that follow it. This parable is told within the framework of Jesus' teaching about the coming of the kingdom of God. Luke 17.20 In other words, the end times. And in specific, the coming of Christ or the rapture of the church. That this is clear is not only obvious from the preceding verses in Luke 17, 20-37, but also by the question that Jesus asked at the very end of today's text in Luke 18 and verse 8. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Sandwiched in between these verses about Jesus' return is this parable of the persistent widow. In other words, between now and then, while we are awaiting the second coming of Christ, this is what we are to be and do. Jesus is giving us instruction as to our character and behavior as we live in anticipation of His return. And what exactly are we to be and do? Well, verse 1 tells us, Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, the English Standard Version translates verse 1, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. The good news puts it this way. Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to teach them that they should always pray and never become discouraged. The Living Bible paraphrases it. One day Jesus told His disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must keep praying until the answer comes. The message. Jesus told them a story showing the it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. Simply put, in the time between Jesus' first coming and His second coming, the time in which we are living at this very moment, we should always pray and not give up. Persistent prayer should characterize who we are and what we do as we live out our daily lives as Christ followers. Now, to illustrate exactly what he meant by this call to persistent prayer, Jesus tells us the story. Look again at verse 2. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what the people thought. Let that sink in for a moment. Now, although a parable and therefore a fictitious town and a fictitious character, Jesus' description of this judge would have been all too familiar to His immediate audience. His disciples would have understood this reference to a corrupt judge with no reverence for God, no respect for people, all too well. Sadly, most judges in Israel at this time would have fit this description. 
One historian, in fact, tells us that the civil judges serving in the first century were so corrupt that the common everyday people referred to them in Hebrew as Dayane Gezaloth, which literally means judges who are robbers. <laughs> Now you see, back in 2 Chronicles 19 and verse 7, Israel's judges were very clearly given these instructions. Now let the fear of the Lord be on you. Judge carefully, for with the Lord our God there is no injustice or partiality or bribery. And yet, by New Testament times, the civil court system and its judges had become so corrupt that they were called judges who were robbers by the Jews. They did exactly the opposite of what the Bible instructed them to do. They neither feared God nor cared what the people thought. Injustice, partiality, and bribery were commonplace. And such is the case with the judge in Jesus' story. He's among the judges who are robbers. He's vile and corrupt to the very core. He cares nothing for God, for God's laws, or for God's people. He only cares for himself. Which brings us to verse 3. And there was a widow in that town, who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Apparently someone had wronged her, defrauded her in some way. Property, money, which was life to her, you understand, had been taken from her. But her destitution goes way beyond just the financial. How do we know that's true? Because she's a woman and she's a widow. She apparently had no man of any kind in her life, no husband obviously, no brother, brother brother-in-law, father, son, cousin, nephew, or any other man who could plead her case. You've got to understand that in this setting, the Jewish courts belonged exclusively to the men, not to the women. Women did not normally go to court. The only time a woman would ever go to a civil court was when she had no man to plead her case. And so this woman, a widow, is completely and absolutely alone. Certainly she represents the destitute, the powerless, the helpless, the deprived, the unknown, the unloved, the desperate. And although the Old Testament was very clear about the responsibility of the Jewish community to care for widows, I put some scriptures there from Exodus and Deuteronomy and Isaiah in your notes, for example. Although that was very clear in its instruction about the care of widows, this judge is utterly indifferent to her plea for justice. And yet verse 3 tells us she kept coming to him with her plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice against my adversary. And verse 4 begins, for some time he refused. Simply put, this judge refused to even hear this widow's case. He wouldn't even look at her evidence wouldn't even listen to her 
plea. And for some time, we don't know how long that was, but it must have been a pretty long time, her cry, grant me justice against my adversary, just fell on deaf ears. And yet, eventually, her persistence did pay off. Verses 4 and 5 continue, But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about what people think. Now, time out. Let me just stop right there for a moment. Here we get a fuller picture of just how wicked and evil this judge really is. When Jesus introduced him back in verse 2 as a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, we might think that that was how others saw him. But no, he saw himself this way. (laughs) He was well aware of who he was and he didn't give a rip. (laughs) This is his self-talk here. I don't fear God or care. What people think. That's the worst possible kind of human being who is then the worst possible judge imaginable. He's a self-confessed wretch. (laughs) (laughs) Yet, verse 5 begins, yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Yeah, he has no regard for God. He has no regard for people, but he does have regard for himself. And this woman is bothering him. The word bothering means irritating. She was, really the word is rubbing him raw. (laughs) Annoying him. She was driving him crazy. Every single day she is intrusive and interruptive. Her persistent cry, grant me justice against my adversary, has finally annoyed him so much he just wants to get rid of her. Doesn't want to deal with her any longer. So that, he says, she won't eventually come and attack me. Now literally, there's a Greek boxing term right there for striking someone with a full blow to the eye. I will see that she gets justice, this judge says, lest she give me a black eye. That's not the noblest of motives. But to stop this widow from harassing him, literally from giving him a black eye, this judge finally relents and he gives her the justice that she rightly deserves. Which then brings us to the sense. I mean, what's Jesus' point? What's the moral of the story? Well, it's found in verses 6-8. through Follow along there in your Bible again. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. Now let's be certain about one thing here. Don't miss this. This comparison between the judge and God is meant to be one of those much more than or lesser versus greater kinds of comparisons. The judge and God are to, you understand, represent two 
extremes. The judge is the most wicked, impervious, impenetrable, indifferent human being, doing right for someone for whom he has no interest and no feeling whatsoever. And if an unholy judge will do that for a widow in spite of his selfish indifference, don't you think that a holy God will do right by those who are His chosen ones? You notice that term in there? It's a term of endearment. We are His chosen ones. Don't you think that God will do right by His chosen ones? We who are His children whom He loves who cry out to Him day and night? Yes, He will. Will He keep putting them off? No, He won't. That's the whole point of this story. God is nothing like this judge. God is the polar opposite of this Judge. He's as unlike this judge as you can possibly get because God always does what is right and just. He is compassionate, merciful, gracious, tender hearted, and kind. He is everything that this judge is not. And when we cry out to him, he listens. He doesn't keep putting us off. When it comes to us who are His chosen ones, His dearly loved children, He will see that we get justice and quickly, it says. But don't miss Jesus' penetrating question at the end of verse 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Hmm. I believe faith, by the way, in this immediate context, is related to persistent prayer. Back to verse 1 again. What's this parable all about? Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And so when Jesus comes, the question is, will He find that kind of faith? On this earth? Will he find that kind of persistent prayer? Will he find us praying in faith, as he put it in verse 7, who cry out to him day and night? Will that characterize who we are and what we do when he comes again? Well, that's a, a look at the scripture. Now, what lessons can we learn from our study together? As we consider the parable of the persistent widow, I believe that there's really only one overall lesson to be gleaned from Jesus' teaching, and that obviously is a lesson about persistence in prayer. Again, verse 1 tells us, Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Persistence. I like Oxford's dictionary's definition. Continuing firmly or obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. I read that definition. I thought, man, I wonder if this lady's photo is right beside that. Because <laughs> that's a great description of who she is, isn't it? We need to learn to have such persistence in our prayer lives 
as we live in these end times. And so from today's parable, I see two lessons to be learned and applied regarding persistent prayer. First of all, I see here a lesson about frequency. A lesson about frequency. Again, verse 1 tells us, you're going to think I'm a broken record. Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Again, the Living Bible paraphrases that one day Jesus told His disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must keep praying until the answer comes. The message. Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. Always pray. Constant prayer. Keep praying. Pray consistently. Never quit. However it is we choose to word it, this call to persistent prayer is about frequency. About how often we pray. Later in verse 3 we're told, there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Don't miss that. She kept coming. And she kept coming. And she kept coming. And she kept coming. Frequency. I mean, she camped out on this judge's doorstep and she cried out every time she saw him, grant me justice against my adversary. She waylaid him on the streets. Grant me justice against my adversary. She waited for him as he came out of his judge's quarters. Grant me justice against my adversary. And the next day, she repeated the process all over again. Grant me justice against my adversary and the next day and the next day and the next day grant me justice against my adversary she never gave up and she never quit grant me justice against my adversary she told this judge I'm going to keep on asking I'm going to keep on knocking on your door I'm going to cry after you when you go down the street I will follow you to the marketplace and back home again and I will never stop calling on you to grant me justice against my adversary. <laughs> Can you just see this woman looking in the restaurant window as the judge <laughs> and his wife are sitting down to dinner? Yoo-hoo! <laughs> Grant me justice against my adversary. I mean, whatever else we learn here, persistent prayer is frequent prayer. In the words of the judge in verse 5, the widow keeps bothering me. Again, we should always pray and not give up. Stay after it. Pray it over and over, again and again, morning, noon, and night, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Do not give up. Don't you dare quit. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Never stop praying. Now there's a verse you could memorize. 
I think even those of us who say, I can't memorize anymore, could memorize that one. Never stop praying. The Passion Translation translates the same verse this way. Make your life a prayer. I like that. Make your life, everything about your life, make it a prayer. May everything we say and do be said and done prayerfully. So let me just cut to the bottom line right here and ask you, how often do you pray? I mean, come on, be honest. How often, how frequently do you plead your case before God? Now while you're pondering that response, let's move on to number two. Because there's also a lesson here about fervency. Not only did the widow plead her case before this judge with frequency, but she also did so with fervency. Her ardent plea, grant me justice against my adversary, was impassioned and intense. So much so that the judge said again in verse 5, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Again, the Greek here is a boxing term implying striking someone with a full blow right to the eye. This widow was literally fighting for her answer. She was willing to go to the mat to plead her case. And Jesus asked in verse 7, Will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Don't miss that phrase, by the way. Cry out to Him day and night. That word cry there means to wail. It is a a word that literally means to sob uncontrollably. It's the picture of what Jesus did. Remember a few weeks ago when we looked at the Garden of Gethsemane when He fell on His face before God and He cried out to His Father, sweating as it were drops of blood because He was sobbing. He was so much after what He wanted to say. Fervency. So let me ask you, How fervent are your prayers? How intense and impassioned are you in your approach to God? When was the last time, I mean seriously, when was the last time you cried out to Him day and night for something? Where you were sobbing, where you were so intense that you were on your face before God crying out to Him with tears. Let's read James 5, verse 16 out loud together. Would you read it with me? Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. We must not be complacent in these end times. This is not a time for us to shift into neutral. This is not a time for us to coast along. Now is the time for passionate, heartfelt prayers. Now is the time for intense spiritual warfare prayers. 
Again, Jesus asked us in verse 8, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? May our answer be yes, He will. (laughs) May we be those who cry out to Him day and night in fervency. Frequency and fervency. That's what makes up persistent prayer. And to help us put this into practice in our daily lives, I have a little homework assignment for you today. I'm going to ask you to join me in a little frequent and fervent prayer. Matter of fact, in your bulletin, if you would, if you would take out this little handout that says, My Prayer List... I'd like for everyone to look at that right now. And I'm going to ask you to join with me in this project. Between now and the end of the year, for us to find a practical way to put this lesson into practice in our daily lives, here's what I would like for you to do. Notice it says, my prayer list, I will frequently and fervently cry out to God in persistent prayer for the following people in my circle of influence who are lost or prodigals. You know, there's lots of things we could cry out to God about. I realize that. There are health issues. There are financial issues. There are marriage issues. There are relationship issues. There are all kinds of issues we could, we could get on our faces before God about. But one of the ones I thought, you know what? We need to do this. Is we need to get on our faces about the lost. We need to have some frequent and some fervent prayer for the lost and the prodigals who are in our circle of influence. We need to to never give up when it comes to praying for those who don't know Jesus. We we need to, to cry with tears before God on our faces for the salvation of those who don't know God. And so I'm going to ask you to Join me in this exercise over the next month. I want you to, to take the time to list the name, literally the names. I want you to put the names of some people on here who are in your circle of influence. Family members that you're going to come into contact with over the holidays. Neighbors who live next to you, across from you. Uh, people you work with. The bank teller you go see. person at the grocery store that checks you out? I don't know. People you go to school with? I don't know who it is on your circle of influence. I, I don't know if you can see, but I've already listed several. Got my list started. Because <laughs> I didn't want to stand here and ask you to do this without being able to say, okay, I've started mine. <laughs> and so I'm asking you to join me in this endeavor. And I, I want you to do this, this homework assignment. I'd like for you to just list out the names. Maybe this will be a work in progress and you'll be praying about it and God will bring another name to mind you so you add another name to it. But I want you to put this someplace where you're going to see it every day, several times a day, where you will be, because you see it, you'll be motivated to fall on your face before God and cry out for the salvation of these people. Put it on your refrigerator because <laughs> you visit that frequently. Put it on your bathroom mirror. (laughs) Put it on the dashboard of your car. I don't know where it's going to go, but put it someplace where you're going to see it regularly and where you'll be reminded that over this next month or so, 
we're all going to join together to get on our faces to cry out for those who are far from God. Those who, as Pastor Rob said, are beyond the Rockies. Remember that? And we are going to lift them up by name. And we are going to cry out for their salvation. Because it tells us here that God will hear our prayers and quickly. We believe that? Stories that change the world. This morning we've studied this parable of the persistent widow here in Luke 18. And whatever else we may take home from these eight verses, let us learn and apply these two lessons about persistent prayer from the example of this widow. First of all, persistent prayer is about frequency. And secondly, persistent prayer is about fervency. And let me close by reminding you once again, this is so important. Please understand that God is the opposite of the judge in our story today. And to drive home his point, Jesus asked two rhetorical questions in verse 7. First he asked, Will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? And the implied answer is, Well, yes, He will. And second, will He, God, keep putting them off? And the implied answer is, No, He won't. And in fact, Jesus clarifies the answers to these two rhetorical questions at the beginning of verse 8 when He says, I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. Because that's God. And He is nothing like this judge. And so like the widow, we will persistently pray for the lost and prodigals in our circle of influence. But unlike the judge, we know with confidence that God will hear our frequent and fervent cries and He will respond. And so we will always pray and not give up. Father, thank You so much for being a loving, merciful, tender-hearted, gracious God. That You hear our prayers. That You are nothing like this judge. That when we pray frequently and fervently, when we cry out to You as it were with tears, pleading our case, You hear us. And so in this little venture ahead of us in the next month or so, as we cry out for the lost and the prodigals that You have placed in our circle of influence, God, hear our cries, I pray. Bring these people home. Bring these people to salvation. God, give us justice and quickly, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.